This is Primal Screen, a weekly radio show airing Monday evenings on Triple R. Primal Screen is about movies, from the ones on the big screen to the ones you stream. Hope you enjoy the podcast version and feel free to get in touch via the Primal Screen Facebook page or the Triple R website. Hello and welcome to Primal Screen, a triple R film criticism show and podcast. I am your host, Paul Anthony Nelson, and joining me in the virtual studio are Sally Christie. Hello, hello. And Flick Ford. Hello. How are we all doing tonight? I'm doing great. Good. Had two coffees. Two coffees. <laughs> too, too many, maybe. <laughs> Always a great recipe for great radio. Too many coffees and maybe a wine or two because we are broadcasting from our homes in this age of madness. Um, So on tonight's show, we'll be making sure we eat only what we need as we check out the Spanish dystopian sci-fi film, The Platform. Um, Before that, though, we might just eat any object we find as we see what's inside the horror-adjacent American indie drama Swallow. And lastly, we'll feast on pure crazy as we take on Kiwi cult cinema maven Ant Timpson's directorial debut, Come to Daddy. Not to be said like Aphex Twin. Tonight, Paul. That's all I ever think of when I hear the title. I know. I've, I have avoided that temptation because I don't want those creepy friggin' Chris Cunningham heads, <laughs> faces in my head. That clip just disturbs me. <laughs> um, before we crack into the week in movie news, um, I just wanted to rem- remind our listeners that all month here at Triple R, we're holding our April Amnesty subscription drive, um, which is probably the most important in our station's history. As we're committed to being your station in isolation, staying on air to keep you connected with uh, fun talk and fine tunes during this time of physical distancing, Um, uh, we can't do it alone. Community radio services are vulnerable at the best of times, Um, so now we need you more than ever. If you're in a position to be able to support us, every little bit helps, please consider subscribing, uh, renewing your subscription or donating to Triple R this April. And you can also go into draw for some amazing prizes like a $250 voucher to spend on books at Brunswick Bound or a three-month coffee subscription. Yes, that's a thing, where our friends at Wide Open Road deliver their finest beans to your door every two weeks. So jump onto rrr.org.au or give us a call on 9388-1027 to subscribe or donate now. But first, it's time for the Primal Screen News Bulletin for the week. So we've had a few passings this week, um, the first of which is Anna Blackman, the actress who became famous as the archetypal female action hero, some might say. Um, first as the karate-kicking, judo-flipping star of TV's The Avengers, and then as Pussy Galore, which you have to say is Pussy Galore. <laughs> 
who was the first great Bond girl in 1963's Goldfinger. Um, Honor died of natural causes at the fair age of 94. No idea she was that old. Um, it's quite quite extraordinary. Um, we also saw the passing of uh, Nobuhiko Obayashi, who is the director of the Japanese cult classic Haosu, otherwise known as House, from 1977, which, if you've ever seen, uh, is possibly the most bonkers film ever made. It's like an episode of Scooby-Doo on LSD. <laughs> And he also directed 1983's The Girl Who Leapt Through Time. Um, he died of lung cancer during the week at the age of 82. And, and sadly, uh, this morning we found out about the passing of Tim Brooke Taylor, um, star of a show that was probably many of our childhood favourites, The Goodies. Uh, he of the Union Jack Waistcoat um, died at the age of 79 due to complications from COVID-19. So we bid a fair, uh, f- a fond farewell to Honor Blackman, Nobuhiko Obayashi, and Tim Brooke Taylor. Any uh, reminiscences? Yeah, Banana Man was. Yeah. I just I used to love Banana Man. That was one of my favourites that he worked on. That I'd get home from school and I'd watch it, and of yeah. course the goodies. But yeah, I really have such a soft spot for Banana Man. <laughs> <Me> <laughs> too. Yeah, I really do. That was also part of my after-school ritual. Such yes. a good show. Yeah, it was great. Mm. Great. Well, the goodies was kind of my after-school ritual um, growing up. I'm slightly older than you two. <laughs> no, the, the goodies was was on definitely still when I, I would race home after school. There'd be the goodies, Banana Man, Monkey Magic, and then Degrassi, where I learned everything I need to know about life from. <laughs> and to pronounce the word, a boot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> While Cannes and Venice film festivals have ruled out going ahead with virtual festivals online, locally, while the uh, Goldfest, uh, Goldfest? Gold Coast Film Festival has cancelled this year's feature film uh, festival, it is putting its Sipfest short film sidebar online, showcasing 13 short films for the public to view for free from April 9th to tomorrow. Tuesday, April 14th, so get in quick to catch that. And uh, if viewers are able to vote for the $1,000 People's Choice Award, and the Gold Coast Film Festival will also be live streaming their Screen Industry Gala Awards Ceremony, not sure how that's going to look, um, on April 16 from 6.30pm to coincide with the originally planned event date and will feature 14 award categories recognising the best short films, web series, feature films and scripts that were due to feature at the festival, as well as award recognition for Gold Coast screen industry professionals and uh, Queensland screen businesses. And finally, some of India's biggest stars, including Amitabh Bashan and Priyanka Chopra, among others from Hindi, Tamil, uh, Malayalam, Telugu, Kannada, Bengali and Marathi cinema have teamed up from their individual homes to make a virtual short film called Family to launch a fundraiser for Indian film industry employees that have found themselves out of work due to industry shutdowns. It can be seen online via Sony TV's social media channels and YouTube. So now, join us in the living room, won't you, as we check out our first movie for the evening. How does it make you feel when you swallow something? Swallow is the debut dramatic feature directed by Carlo Mirabella Davis about Hunter, played by Hayley Bennett, 
a newly pregnant housewife who finds herself increasingly compelled to consume dangerous objects. As her husband and his family tighten their control over her life, she must confront the dark secret behind her new obsession. Sally, did you find this film a satisfying mouthful or a bitter pill to swallow? It's <laughs> a good one, Paul. <laughs> I did, I, I did Thanks, find- Sal. That was that was a good one. Good effort tonight. <laughs> I really love this. I am a real sucker for any kind of um horror movie that has to do with uh pregnancy, with that whole um I guess fear of you know having something else take over your body, being a female, something that resonates with me a little. So there's lots of parallels to this that are quite obvious with um I guess Rosemary's baby with um, people sort of interfering in Hunter's life, the older sort of generation trying to tell her what to do and um, the way that she is, I guess, using food as this one small way that she can keep control over what's going on in her circumstances. Um, I was really impressed by this. There's a lot more to it than what we're able to, I guess, talk about tonight without giving too much of it away. And I think it's done in a really, no pun intended, tasteful way. I found it really empathetic. Um, and also visually it's just gorgeous for a debut feature. Like it's so beautiful, that kind of confinement that we see like in Rosemary's Baby where somebody's stuck inside, which we all are at the moment, but done in kind of such a, you know, sleek, very updated modern way. Like, yeah, this, this movie has a lot to offer and I think there's a lot to talk about when it comes to this one. I, I completely agree. I I was glad that the beautiful aesthetics of these this film is not. Um, I feel like it actually fits in perfectly with Hunter herself, and I thought that all of these objects that she's drawn to and wishes to swallow, and um, there was a correlation. She had more to, more in um, more connection with those objects than a lot of the characters. I thought the way yes. in which those yep. objects were displayed around the house, like this little object of beauty or curiosity. Mm-hmm. And she is herself positioned as an object in her husband's Mm. house or the the house that her husband's very rich parents bought for them. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that I really loved that framing. It's really quite a simple premise. You know, you've got this young, bored housewife who is secretly swallowing these household items. And it's kind of, I love that it's the film is contained within that very simple narrative, but does yeah. so much with it. And I really, um, I was chatting with my partner after it, and I feel like we had really strong reactions to this. Like, I, I feel like I can watch almost anything as far as gore related. Like, I have a really strong stomach for extreme on-screen violence and disgusting mm-hmm. bodily functions and things like that but this film did <laughs> make me want to gag um <laughs> I was watching it and just I felt like just my throat was constricted and my partner had the same experience and we were talking about the fact that the title and he pointed this out the title is kind of interesting because it's you know you could say it's swallow as in she's she's swallowing these objects but she also there's that idea of like swallowing down and repressing and mm-hmm. she, she very much is this like has this very pleasant veneer and compliancy and I love that this is almost like not a coming of age film but like a coming of agency she really like yeah her mm-hmm. own over yep. the film and it was such a delight to watch I had so much empathy for it I agree with you Sally it was handled so masterfully and I liked the fact that the 
small there's a lot of smaller characters in this and one in particular is a nurse who comes to live in the house and I loved his relationship with her and I thought it was both very believable and mm-hmm. unexpected and it wasn't how I was expecting it to go and he himself has this very gruff sort of looking he's a very gruff looking man and he looks yeah. so displaced in that beautiful palatial home and even though she fits in perfectly as one of the objects, she really is an outsider there as well. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, there's just so much to unpack in this film. And, and it's so yep. efficient with the time that it has. It's a very small, um, short film, really. And they, it just has a very exacting narrative. And mm-hmm. um, even the heavy pauses within it always have a purpose. It's to sort of communicate her sense of boredom and, and just directionlessness. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, I just couldn't say enough good things about this. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Great fun, it, but also a bit, yeah, a bit icky in part. <laughs> icky is the word. It's yeah. it's it's interesting because it starts out in a very different place to where it ends, mm. yeah, genre wise. Um, I'd sort of heard about this as a horror film, and it certainly starts as one. It has this very kind of cold uh aesthetic very david almost david fincher like kind of you know these stark cold frames of this lone woman in this cavernous house and it's um and you know putting up red and blue shades on the window that are kind of throwing these sort of apt colors on her and these you know these these sort of foreboding objects that she begins kind of that she finds solace in and then by the end it kind of ends up without giving anything away it kind of ends like social becomes like a social issues drama Mm. um which i did not expect um and it's funny because i don't know if it was the most it was kind of what i was looking for out of this film but it made all the emotional sense in the world to end up at that point um and even to the point where it's something um something she uh and the the last object she swallows in the film um is it's it's really nice it's really nicely written it's 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 really um it's made with a lot of economy as you kind of hinted towards flick mm. um uh hayley bennett is terrific in the lead she um, is so so great in this just the way that she kind of plays that really meek sort of reserved housewife she's fantastic I love and, that she's got that combination of this very doll-like face. Like she mm-hmm. looks so much younger than I think the character is meant to be. But she also has this very fixed stare. It's quite a, it's a beautiful balance between this harshness and then really doll-like mm. expression. And just holding it in. Like she mm. just constantly feels like she's just going to explode at any moment. Um, the family is so ghastly and controlling and... Oh. <laughs> It's horrendous. Um, there's a couple of times in the movie I think start overplays it a little bit, but for the most part, it is really horrifically, like a bit too real at times. Um, there's a moment late in this film, about two thirds of the way in, where I exhaled so hard I think I pulled a muscle because it was such relief <laughs> over one moment, uh, one uh, <laughs> something she says to her husband at one point. Um, I do honestly recommend people have a like a big bottle of water. Next yes. To them when I think you. Need- I, I didn't have that same kind of reaction to it. Like, um, 
yeah I was Even like now oh I'm getting it <laughs> yeah I didn't have that but um yeah I really loved it and yeah like I was saying before there's so many really heavy things that are explored in this that it's just done so well and I think um that they got the eating disorder that she has in the film is it called Pika Pika. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. So I know that they got um, an expert on to actually write like a case file for the character as if she was a real patient so that everything was done really authentically in regards to the way that she was consuming these objects in these films, which I yeah thought was really... That's, yeah, that's interesting yeah. because one of the things I didn't like about the film was that I didn't think that the therapist was very believable mm-hmm. and I actually thought that she was the most out of place for me and I thought that her I didn't I didn't think that she really gave much to the narrative apart from allowing an opportunity for Hunter to open up which Mm -hmm. wasn't really in any way directed by the therapist that was the only character that I was like I don't think this is it didn't seem um honest and realistic enough for a film that otherwise has so much depth of emotional um believability to it Mm. yeah I I I was like personally I, I I was fine with the therapist. There's there's a particular betrayal that happens with the therapist, which is quite egregious <laughs> um, mm. throughout the film. And, and I think one of the things that that really underlines just how terrible this family is. Um, but yeah, there's a there, there's a really beautiful control of tone and aesthetic, and the way this film does sort of switch genres um very smoothly i mean i guess it's 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 always kind of horror it's at the start is sort of horror adjacent like it's not really a horror film even though it's been marketed as one um but the way it sort of smooths and and moves into another kind of area um i think it's a real credit to the filmmaker to writer director um uh carlo mirabella davis um it's um there's a there's also a particular moment too. I mean, without going into any sort of reveal, Dennis O'Hare plays a character late in the film, um, who's a terrific actor. Anyway, you know him from things like American Horror Story and um, various other things. Um, yeah, there's a moment between him and Haley Bennett, which is when it's first brought up. It sort of caught me a bit off guard. This part of her life when she when she says it to the therapist, I almost felt like it was um, some like was it a lie was it something to get a rise out of the therapist it seemed manufactured and it seems like a bit of an odd plot twist and then she has this scene with Dennis O'Hare and suddenly it sort of it it provides this sort of it grounds the entire film like it gives the film this amazing gravity at that point and makes everything so much more poignant um yeah it's really impressive um it's 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 a it's a it's a bit of a grower this one yeah I think so Yeah, it's definitely been a film that I've been reflecting on for the rest of the week now. I think um, it's really stuck with me in the best way. Yeah. Um, Some would say we ingested it. No, that's not right. (laughs) So (laughs) Swallow is now streaming on Stan. You are listening to Primal Screen on Triple R. Triple R. You're listening to Primal Screen on Triple R with Sally Christie, Flick Ford, and myself, Paul Anthony Nelson. Before we check out our next film, just a reminder that Triple R is currently having our April Amnesty subscription drive. And with everyone uncertain about where they're going to find the money to support themselves over the next few months, Triple R is no different. 
We've already begun to lose crucial sponsorship revenue due to the coronavirus crisis, with more surely to come. As services like community radio stay on air uh, to keep you connected during this challenging time, Triple R aim to be your station in isolation. So if you're in a position to afford to support us, please consider digging as deep as you can and subscribing, renewing your subscription or donating to Triple R this April. When you will go, when you will also go in the draw for some amazing prizes, including a pack of five books from Scribe Publications showcasing the best of local and international fiction, or a gift voucher for Northside Records. Um, and there's lots more stuff as well uh, to subscribe or donate and getting the running for such fabulous prizes. Jump onto rrr.org.au or give us a call on through nine three double eight one zero two seven. Now. Join us as we hit play on our next new release film for this evening. Hay tres clases de personas, los de arriba, los de abajo, los que caen. I love it when we have to play sound clips for uh, non-English films. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> unless you know the language, just baffling. <laughs> So The Platform is the debut feature directed by Golda Gaztelo Irusha and is set in a large tower-style vertical, vertical self-management centre where the residents, who are periodically switched every 30 days between random floors, are, led by a plat uh, are fed by a platform initially filled with food from the top that gradually descends through the levels. Uh, it is a system bound to cause conflict as inmates at the top levels can eat as much as they can, leaving increasingly little for those below. In the middle of this, a man with a conscience named Goreng, played by Ivan uh, Masake, uh, strives to find a way to feed everybody to break the system. But are people just too greedy for him to succeed? Flick. Did you find this a bottomless descent into misery or a top floor banquet of metaphorical sci-fi horror? <laughs> Look, I don't know if this is going to be a very unpopular position, but I did find this a bottomless pit of misery. Uh, I hate this film. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I watched it over two viewings because I really was like not into it. And I was like, I just can't watch any more of this. Um, yeah, I, I looked up reviews afterwards trying to get like some sort of um, sense of camaraderie, but most reviews were very, very positive. One even compared it to Waiting for Godot. Um, that was not my experience. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I just found it, the script so clunky and I, I think the script more than anything just really jarred and I... Not in a not in a seemingly meaningful way. I think it just I I didn't like any of the characters. Um, it felt a bit derivative to me. Um, I did get grossed out again by the furious eating. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, what are you What are you doing to us this week with the viewing? One of One of my pet hates in real life is people chewing really really loudly. Mm. There's yeah, me too. In this film. Yeah. I actually don't. I also don't like it when people eat super fast. I get worried that they're going to choke. So um, <laughs> this film yeah, pressed a few bad buttons for me. <laughs> but um, I think also the, the core of it was seemed a bit obvious. Like I understand that 
it, well, I'm guessing that it's a sort of a statement against capitalism, and I think maybe the director um, has been kind of quite open about that. Um, but I don't know if it was really argued it in the best way. I didn't actually think that the moral uh, philosophizing rang true for me. I didn't feel like it was a, a in, I don't know, I just didn't think it was a very interesting way of demonstrating it. It seemed kind of clunky and very forced. Um, I really didn't like the main character. I didn't like any of the characters. Um <laughs> They kind of tease him ruthlessly about like, oh, what kind of guy brings a book here? But as you're going down the levels, someone's brought a bloody surfboard. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, oh, come on, a book? Like maybe because I'm a bit of a book nerd, but I was like, it makes sense to me. Um, Yeah, I I just found it a very amateur film. I found that the horror was very kind of for shock value but didn't really have much emotional, intellectual um, depth to it. And I kind of thought that there was some like weird mentions of race um, uh, race throughout the film like there's this there's a lot of like just casual racism which is kind of could be you know believably part of prison life but it just didn't really do anything with it it kind of just sprinkled the the um the script with it but I, I didn't really feel like it had a proper interrogation of those issues in any mm-hmm. way um yeah I really hated this film sorry <laughs> I, I really bloody love this film. <laughs> I loved it so much. Oh, man. Um, my one thing that I'm just going to say straight off the bat, this is streaming on Netflix. And one thing I didn't realise until after I had watched the film, uh, Netflix automatically put it on a dubbed English version. Um, so I watched it dubbed. which Oh, that's what oh. I watched. Yes, and that's what made the script sound clunky. Oh, you can go back oh. and you can change your preferences so that you're watching it um, with subtitles. Oh, so that would have been better. Yeah. So that's okay. just one thing that I initially found clunky because of the way it came across, but I mm. think it was because it's dubbed and Netflix automatically assumes that people perhaps don't want to watch things with subtitles, which oh. <laughs> I would have rather seen it that way. Oh, but, absolutely. Um, yeah, so just a heads up for our viewers, uh, listeners that do want to watch this, there's that option. Um, I loved it so much. I thought it nothing crazy new with the with its story and how we should share our wealth and all that kind of stuff. But um, I guess it's a really timely moment for this film to be released. We've seen in Australia at the start of the year with our bushfires that we had this such kindness and community and then with what we're going through at the moment, um, there's been a lot of the opposite with that, you know, just kind of things like hoarding and stuff like that, um, which has been really disappointing and this comes through in this extreme way in this film. Um, Yeah, I I really liked it. I found it quite quite brutal and I found it, I liked the fast pace of it as well. I was surprised surprised that Netflix picked this up like it was surprising to me that Netflix would buy this film it didn't doesn't seem sort of I guess on brand for them but um because it's not shit yeah well that's that's it this is the thing for me Netflix I enjoy watching their documentaries but their Mm. films I never really go and seek out Mm. and I wouldn't have watched this except that you know I'd been told by a few people that it was great and yeah I loved it I really I, I liked um yeah I just there's there's a lot to take away from this one as well. I really enjoyed all the films we looked at this week, to be honest. But yeah, this one especially, I, I found it left a big impact on me. It's pretty bleak. It's a very bleak movie. 
I yeah I I, I thank thank goodness Sally because I thought I was going to have to like <laughs> defend be the lone defender of this thing because I I thought because some of the reviews online had been sort of positive but a bit muted and I just friggin loved it I don't yeah know I what, did too I, from like some, where to go I loved it I was same. in the whole time. Can you send me some of those lukewarm reviews so I can feel better? Because <laughs> honestly, all I got was like four stars, five stars, best film of the year. Wow. I'll put them on to you guys. Because, <laughs> yeah, because I was seeing a lot of three stars, three and a half. So no hate, like not a lot of hates. Although <laughs> Until now. Of, although, yeah. Until although a friend of mine <laughs> did say, did kind of ruin it slightly, did say um, his letterbox review was Snowpiercer, but make it cube. It's like, damn it! You're absolutely right. I hate you. I like Um, this more than Snowpiercer, I think. But yeah, there's mm. lots of similarities. But yeah, I did. I I just found this really captivating. The entire time, I I was really captivated by this. Yeah, I liked Garang. I liked that he went in. Like, I mean, he's because he actually nominates to go into this thing. And this is something, a, a quirk with the film. Some people can nominate to go in, and some people are sent there like it's a prison. Um, I'd like. I thought it was super interesting how the world worked. Like, okay, I, you know, you probably don't think too deeply about how they, you know, swap everyone around the logistics of how they swap, swap everyone around within the building. Um, but the, the idea of, you know, you could wake up on the first floor or you could wake up on the bottom floor. Um, and then people basically that, that idea of if they're, if they experience time on a lower floor and then are transferred to a top one, they immediately start acting greedy and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and kind of taking everything and, 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 and acting derisively towards those below them is a super interesting concept and something we see a lot in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Garing and then later another character, uh, a couple of other characters who were trying to kind of break the system and find something. Um, I just found that super compelling. I liked everyone's kind of agendas. I liked the the suspense of who he would end up with um, next. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed that as well. I also enjoyed the lack of context around the actual plat, you know, the actual space as to why you would nominate to go in there to quit smoking or Mm. as to, like you were saying, the logistics of how they swap people up. I liked, um, I liked that being left open. I think I read somewhere today that it was initially um, meant to be a stage play or was a stage play. I can can actually imagine it. Yeah, I can see that working really well. Yeah, in that sense. It's a kind of, it's just that kind of Twilight Zone sort of structure that I really like. That's like, what if? This yep. thing was here, mm-hmm. and uh, and different, you know, people's different aim. I there, there's a character in the film who's a who's allegedly a mother who's riding up and down looking for her child. And um, I while I I like the character and the sort of the wild card that she adds, I wasn't quite sure what her deal was mm. in psychologically. Um, there's a you know there's a couple little things that didn't quite scan, but for the most part, I just this film really spoke to me and I love the style of it. I like the pace of it. And, um, and you know, there's little things like the fact that there, um, the, we get a little bit of a, a look at the survey that's taken of each person that gets sent here. And one question is, what is your favorite food? And the idea of everybody just ate their favorite food and nothing else, everyone would be okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so everybody's favorite meal is getting cooked at some point. If you're on the first level, you're going to get to eat it. 
<laughs> Maybe we can introduce that here, you know, these isolation times where yeah. <laughs> we're having mass shortages in the supermarkets. Just choose what what food you like. With um <laughs> with the platform, one of the things in, that Paul mentioned before is that you could select an an item to take in with you, just one item. And mm-hmm. um, what would you guys take in? Ooh, probably my cat Davo. I think he'd he'd be very but, angry. Oh, oh would my god! No, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true, true. Yeah. I'd be I like would think initially dog. my pets, but they're going to get eaten pretty quickly. True, true. I don't know. It's it's a tricky question. Mm. This was always my answer for um, a few years ago. I really got into listening to the Desert Island Discs podcast, mm-hmm. the BBC, and they always ask you what's the one item you would take. And I always thought like something like Leonard Moulton's classic movie guide, something that had like synopses <laughs> of thousands of older movies I'd never seen. And I could just read a synopsis and get it in my head and imagine what that film would be like. <laughs> That's probably what I'd take because yeah. I'm a lunatic. Yeah. <laughs> I'd again be taking a book and people would be laughing at me and trying to kill me. <laughs> um, yeah, I just thought, uh, yeah, I, I really, um, like, like you said, like, look, yeah, it's not subtle. Um, but I, as someone who's who, who's not only enjoyed a blunt force social commentary, <laughs> but made a couple, um, I actually kind of, you know, I'm I'm attracted to that as a form. Um, so yeah, I, I I thought this was a really, I thought it was a really solid, striking debut, and and mm-hmm. kind of brought the midnight, you know, that's sort of the. It was it was selected as a TIFF uh, Toronto Film Festival Midnight Madness selection last year, and it does have that kind of late night midnight madness kind of uh, angle to it as well. One people's choice um, at Toronto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just um, and it's interesting too. The characters all have their names, all have meanings as well. Like Gareng, yeah, Gareng means fried in Malay Indonesian. Um, Mm -hmm. Another character is Trim. Trimagasi, uh, which stands for thank you in the Malay Indonesian language. Um, someone else is named after an Indonesian graveyard. Someone else is named after a, a spice blend. It's very, yeah, it's an interesting, interesting uh, psychology behind the naming of characters. I'm not overly familiar with well, any of the actors in this film, but I um, was reading that they, a lot of them are comedians. Mm. And they were putting this to kind of be, you know, type against what they usually typecast, so they're playing something serious, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, um, yeah, that is very interesting, mm. especially for how dark the film gets. It's oh, it's so, so bleak. Yeah. I think initially, it's bleak from the word go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah very bleak movie. Yeah, yeah, very true. Um, although it, you know, there, there's a kind of an ending that's both bleak and hopeful. You know? mm. <laughs> um, it sort of balances those things quite well. Maybe a little too hopeful for flick. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I was just glad it was over. <laughs> dear, oh dear. <laughs> so, if you want to judge for yourself uh, where you end up on the platform, it is now streaming on Netflix, and you are listening to Primal Screen on Triple R. Triple R. You are listening to Primal Screen on Triple R with Flick Ford, Sally Christie, and myself, Paul Anthony Nelson. Please join us at a distance of no less than 1.5 metres for our final film of the evening. Just so you know, if you want to impress me, I like fight stories. Come to Daddy 
is the debut feature directed by Ant Timpson, starring Elijah Wood as Norval, a privileged musician with a terrible haircut who <laughs> travels to his estranged father's oceanfront home after receiving a cryptic letter from his dad, played by Stephen McHattie, for what he hopes will be a positive experience. If only he'd known the dark truth about his old man beforehand. Sally, did you uh, did you find this feature length extrapolation of Aphex Twins music video from the nineties to be a positive experience? I did find this to be a positive experience. Um, I was just saying this. This is Ant Timpson, um, his directorial debut, and it feels like. It, it, he's been around for a long time producing lots of things. Like uh, I think he was one of the producers on The Greasy Strangler, which is one of my feel-good films. And I, I really, <laughs> I love it. it is, Sal. <laughs> I watched it the other night, which is so uplifting for me. But I really, I like his brand. I like what he does. I Also, I really like the humour and everything that he's involved in. One of the great delights in Come to Daddy for me was the dialogue. I found it hilarious, especially the um, first few uh, sequences with Elijah Wood and his dad and him talking about what a good DJ he is. And, oh, I love that um, scene. <laughs> oh, my God. It was just like I, I was like roaring with laughter. Yeah. So Knowing fun. Elton John. Yes. Oh, <laughs> Just so fantastic. Like, I haven't laughed that hard in a film in a long time. Like, really, really funny. Elijah Wood's comedy is great. So that was my, um, my you know, absolute favourite takeaway from this was just I loved the dialogue. <laughs> it, it was wasn't what I expected it to be either, the film. Like, plot-wise, it really wasn't. So there were lots of great surprises there. And um, I think that Timpson and Elijah would make a really good team. They both do lots of good work for genre cinema and um, it's nice to see them working together. Yeah, I'm always such a big fan of Elijah. He's great, isn't he? He really is. And I think you're right about his um, comedy sensibilities. Like I really liked him in Wilfred, which is the American remake of the series. And Mm -hmm. um, he's also in Robot Chicken and he's. I think he's got a real... He's really willing to make fun of himself. And yep. I feel like I should defend um, <laughs> his haircut. I didn't think it was that bad. Fault. Well, my, um, <laughs> I liked it. My husband, Josh, and I have decided that while we're in self isolation, I'm going to attempt to give him that haircut. Oh, yes. <laughs> so we discussed it the other night. Wonderful. Um, no. It's. <laughs> So I vote. Is, there a, go is there a Department of Human Services going to be? Because I, I was like, like I'm, it's probably going to go quite badly and then I can shave it all off, but we'll upload it to our social media, yes. but it's, it's going to happen. I might, I might be tempted to get a get one too. I've got short hair at the moment, so I could just go a little bit shorter. <laughs> um, I love this film. This is easily my favourite film of the week. Um, mm-hmm. So funny, so dark and yeah, I just, I, I actually had, um, I was curious as well because I, I was surprised that this was also, I was also surprised that this was Timpson's debut. Um, and then I I just, he's got the most hilarious IMD bio. I don't know if you've read it, but um, he's listed his trademark as a shark bite on his left arm and his nickname is down as the love butcher. <laughs> 
Um, and um, uh, yeah, I just find him. Uh, yeah, I just love this humor. I mean, he's a Kiwi director from Auckland. I feel like he's just um, he's involved in so many different little things. But this film was just a delight. It also stars um, Michael Smiley, who's from. Oh, um, I love him. Yes. So he was in Ben Wheatley's uh, 2011 film Kill List, which is one of my favourite horrors of all time. Like I just adore that film so much. Yes, yeah, great. Um, but um, I just think it's an amazing cast. It's The pacing is fantastic. It was kind of funny because I was watching it um, and my partner was on a very important video conference call and I'm in the background sort of going from hysterical laughing to like covering my face and screaming from parts of this. So it's got a wonderful, believe- yeah, wonderful mix of everything going on. I couldn't believe how quickly this film went by. Like it is just so much fun and it just, it flew by in a second. It felt like it went for an hour when it is you know, regular run time of, time of I think an hour and a half. But, yeah, yeah it was just a delight from woe to go, I think. Yeah. I could actually, honestly, I just saw this today. I could sit down and watch it straight after we get off yep. today. <laughs> Easily. Such a joy. Well, I, I saw it at MIF about oh, wow. 10 months ago. Um, I just thought my tickets out. I missed it at MIF, which I was bummed about. Mm. Me too. Yeah. And for those, because we've sort of mentioned Ant doing a lot of things. Um, Ant is Ant Timpson is a, a big name in the New Zealand film industry for kind of being. He used to run a twenty-four hour film festival that used to, and he's basically the godfather of cult film in New Zealand in terms of showing, uh, exhi- you know, showing cult films and exhibiting cult films. Um, he's like the Zach Hepburn of New, of <laughs> New Zealand. He has um, a cinema in Auckland called, I think it's Hollywood Avalon, isn't it? Something like that. Yes, yeah, Hollywood yeah. Hollywood Avalon. Is, yeah. Yep. And, and the largest collection of 35 millimetres, private collection. <laughs> The film prints, yeah, yeah that he, you know, often sort of um, loans mm. to various American cinemas and things like that. Um, so, and he's, of, of course, his bread and butter is midnight cinema. And, he, you know, he started, he, he produced the, um, along with the Alamo Drafthouse guys, he uh, produced the ABCs of Death anthology movies and then films like Deathgasm and The Greasy Strangler. And so it's like his brand is midnight movies. So mm. he finally came to this. Um, this is a film he's been wanting to make for years, inspired by um, when his father died. His father was kind of embalmed and kind of, but left in his house for about a week really? or something. Yeah. And wow. so it was him alone in his house with his father's corpse. Oh my God. And this was. Because <laughs> that's this, one of the like, yeah. I, yeah. I don't want to give any spoilers away, but wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this was. <laughs> the thing that inspired him <laughs> to write the script and he'd been sort of you know toying like sort of working through this idea for years and you know a relationship with your parents and how much do you really know about your parents and so it's actually a weirdly personal film mm-hmm. um and i'm so glad to announce that uh he uh, the midnight movie credentials come through his direction as well as his produ- pro- uh, producing and, and advocacy. Um, it's a rollicking midnighter. It's so much fun. It's um, unpredictable. It's full of, you know, wacky, violent shock moments, <laughs> awkward social interactions. Um, I mean, it's full of like really sure handed character actors like yeah like yeah. Elijah Wood is someone that's a safe pair of hands as far as I'm concerned but so mm. is anytime I see Stephen McHattie in a film I'm happy 
Like, he's always really great. Um, Michael Smiley, the same. Martin Donovan, who shows up. Like, they're all really, you know, he's he's entrusted this crazy story to a to a to a group of really shorthanded actors mm-hmm. um who who really ground it beautifully even when it's completely bonkers um and you know timson's pretty good with suspense as well you know there's a scene at a hotel that's really suspenseful and engaging and and you know and and, and the way the the the, the father son relationship here is kind of teased out um yeah it's it's and they're and they're clearly all having a lot of fun um yeah this this is a really cool midnight movie and really effed up in the best way (laughs) so so good and like what you were saying paul like it just it was it's surprising that i didn't i love midnight movies this is my kind of thing as well but this took me to places that I didn't expect the plot to be going. So there was all these really nice little surprises there as well. Yeah, I love that feeling of both being terrified and laughing hysterically. I think that is just like the best feeling in a film. (laughs) What a midnight movie should do, really. That's that's the movie. I think that terrified and laughing almost despite that is like the the gold standard for every (laughs) attempted midnight movie kind of goes for. But, yeah, this is full-on brand for for Ant. Um, as one of you may have said before, um, yeah, this uh, this is a, this is a real winner. I um, I suggest you, uh, you know, look if you're squeamish, maybe you might want to give it a miss or look away. But otherwise, you can just um, look away. Yeah, yeah. you could, worth you could it. actually it's so just, worth it. Just listen to the dialogue. The yeah. dialogue is so funny <laughs> and it's hilarious. Yeah, such good writing. <laughs> No, uh, no. This is yeah. No, I was I was really impressed by this, and it, and kind of let out a bit of a sigh of relief after I saw it. It's like okay, good. He's he, uh, he's done okay. His uh, ants pulled it off. Um, but yeah, I I just I mean Elijah Wood is also a producer of of um, of a lot of genre films through his Spectavision um, with a couple of partners there. Um, yeah, he's got an imprint called Spectavision. And they've done like Mandy. Did they do Color Out of Space? Space? Um, yep. A lot of um, yeah, a lot of these kind of films. And this feels like the kind of thing that's in their wheelhouse. And I think Spectavision might have produced this as well. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's 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 a it's a cult classic in the making. Let us mm-hmm. say that. Um, shall we just say, as Emma Westwood would say? So, Come to Daddy is now available to rent or buy from iTunes Movies. You are listening to Primal Screen on Triple R. Triple R. Welcome back. You are listening to Primal Screen on Triple R with Sally Christie, Flick Ford, and myself, Paul Anthony Nelson. And uh, just before we were talking about the film Come to Daddy, which is now uh, available to rent or buy from iTunes Movies, and it's not a Spectavision film, I should add. It's very much like one <laughs> that uh, Elijah would produce, but he's just in this one. He's not producing. Uh, just to set the record straight on that one. So on tonight's show, we discussed Swallow, now streaming on Stan, which I think we all gave the thumbs up. The Platform, now streaming on Netflix, in which uh, Sally and I gave the thumbs up too. <laughs> Flick wasn't so sure, but <laughs> Flick watched it dubbed, which is always worse I watched it dubbed too, but Flick's going straight to the bottom level for the platform. So if you watch the platform on Netflix, please reset your preferences to, uh, sub, uh, to uh, original language and subtitles. 
And we talked about Come to Daddy, which is now available to rent or buy on iTunes Movies, which we also all gave the thumbs up to. You can also subscribe to the Primal Screen podcast via iTunes or wherever else you find your favorite podcast. And you can also find Primal Screen on Facebook and Instagram. Next week, we're doing another spotlight episode on... Well, look, we'll try and find a snappier title, but let's go with uh, <laughs> 90s icons feature debuts. So we'll be looking at uh, the first films from Wes Anderson, Noah Baumbach, and Sofia Coppola being Bottle Rocket, Kicking and Screaming, and The Virgin Suicides. Looking forward to that. A huge thank you to Morty Osborne for editing the Primal Screen podcast, to Killer Carl Chapman for panelling and providing producing assistance for our show. Thanks for listening to Primal Screen, a weekly radio show airing Monday evenings on Triple R. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast version and feel free to get in touch via the Primal Screen Facebook page or the Triple R website. 